It went from me having all of these feelings about what had happened to me to then me turning into the exact same thing that I was mad at. When all of the rules go out the window, what am I left with? It showed me what cheating was, what infidelity was, what it was like to be on the other foot, what it was like to be judged by all these people, what it was like to see someone's heart get broken. I think that infidelity often leads you to a revelation of how much power you actually wield in this world and that the power you actually have is in your Welcome to the Other Woman and the Wife podcast, where we delve into the complex and often taboo topic of infidelity. I'm your host, Chelsea, and in this episode, I am joined by a special guest, Veronica. I met Veronica while I was on TikTok, and I was intrigued by her story and the content that she produces. She has experienced both sides of the story, as a betrayed wife and as the other woman, within the same marriage. I wanted to understand what went through her mind, how she dealt with falling in love with someone who wasn't her husband, and get her perspective now that this is all over. She is also a child abuse survivor, and we delve into the topic of parenting and what it means to be a good mom as a single parent. I hope that this episode can provide insight and help to those who have experienced infidelity or are struggling with it in their relationship. So without further ado, let's jump in. Veronica, what about your experience with infidelity? Have you ever played a role in infidelity and which role or roles were they? And how do you think that they affected you? So my situation was kind of complex because I was at first the, you know, doting wife that found out that her husband was cheating. And for me, I was absolutely heartbroken. And he actually wanted to reconcile the marriage. He was so persistent in stopping his behaviors and doing all of these little things for me. Um, Just being like this person I really hadn't known in a long time. Mm -hmm. And by that point, mentally, I was just gone. Um, And I basically decided to start a relationship with someone who was actually 17 years older than me. Um, I had never even really dated anyone older. How old were you at the time of you engaging in this relationship? I was 24. I was 24 too. Yes, I know. I just got chills down my back. I was like, I was 24. Yeah. So, um, and I fell in love with him very quickly. Very, very quickly. I think it was like two months and I knew I was totally like in love with this person. I actually, you know, I really experienced it in that exact situation from both sides, which opened my eyes up to things I can't even like... I can't even explain to you. It really like shows you the human experience and what life is like. I think that when infidelity struck, it almost taught me more about how human I actually was and how um, susceptible I am to the entirety of the human person, right? Like not just feelings, not just logic, not just this, but like, when all of the rules kind of go out the window, window. what am I left with, you know? And is what I'm left with still a value? And I think, yes, like, I think that, yeah, there are, there are parts in our stories that we're not super proud of, but that doesn't eliminate the worth and value that we have as an individual. Yes. Totally. I think it's pretty cool. I I do too. And, you know, it really did open my eyes to things. Um, And I'm the type of person I know you are as well, Chelsea, where like when something happens, we want to like understand it. Oh, yeah. We're like, let's research this. Let's like, let's let's figure this out. 
Uh-huh. And so for I think for me anyways, it like it showed me how to do that. You know, it it showed me what cheating was, what infidelity was, what it was like to be on the other foot, what it was like to be judged by all these people, what it was like to see someone's heart get broken and know that, yeah. you know, I kind of did that a little bit. So, yeah, like it really opened my eyes to be like, I don't know, it took me it took me back down, down to earth. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. One yeah. of the videos that you had created that I think probably had such a relatable feeling for most people was you had said that the worst heartbreak you experienced was the first person you fell in love with after the marriage. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So that was, I honestly and truly believe that was the first time I ever really like loved somebody and I didn't feel Mm -hmm. like I was forced to love them. Not that I didn't love my ex-husband. I did, but it was a little bit forced. You know, I never got to sit down and say, is this who I want to spend my life with? Is this what I want? And for the first time in my life, I got to choose someone. And I really liked him. And he liked me. And we like were like the same person. And it was just all of these things I had never experienced before. And so having that was so amazing that when it ended, it was like, it was hard. It was really, really hard for me. Um, you know, I still consider that person a friend, but it was just such an awakening to like my soul. So yeah, I think that absolutely. that's why when it ended, it was like, oh, like right to the gut, you know? Yeah. I think that infidelity often leads everyone, regardless of what role you play, yeah. it leads you to a revelation of how much power you actually wield in this world yeah, and that the power you actually have is in your choices. And that's it. Like you don't get to control what anybody else does. You don't control whether somebody breaks your heart, but like you actually have the power to choose for yourself who you give love to and who you receive love from. And what you said about, you know, the first time you chose somebody, not for the sake of the outcome or the, you know, what I should be doing or what I need to be doing. But it's kind of like an effortless falling in love with someone just because you felt seen, understood, yeah, yeah. valued yeah, by somebody who isn't, doesn't have to, right? Like Exactly. That's I think, so spot on. Right. And like wives often are like, oh, well, my husband has to do this for me. And like my, hu- I should feel this certain way because he's my husband. And it's like, not Really? Not totally. No, not always. Can you elaborate a little bit more on how you got to a place where you fell in love with somebody who wasn't your husband? Well, you know, my marriage had obviously started to crumble um, from the inside out. And in my opinion, I knew at that moment that there was no repairing the marriage. Mm-hmm. I know that my partner believed that there was, you know, a chance to repair it. But from my standpoint, there was no way to repair the marriage. And I didn't actually try to seek out an affair. I wasn't like, oh, not that I just think anyone does, but I was like, just- I am shocked that people do because yeah. that's a calculated experience that I, I couldn't really wrap my head around. I want to, I want to be able to wrap my head around it, 
But yes, you're right. Like, I think that a lot of affair, each affair is different, right? Yeah. Circumstance. Oh, for sure. But yes. So you didn't seek out the affair? No, it just, it was one of those things that kind of happened. And I was, you know, in a place where I really wasn't even speaking to my husband, you know, really Mm -hmm. besides day to day. Like I, I didn't hate him, but I was severely like in a not good place where I I didn't Mm -hmm. even want to really look at him. And so I was like kind of avoiding him. And I was just trying to spend time with my friends and like out of the house and being and things like that. And it just happened. And honestly, the first time I saw him, this is going to sound super cliche right now. But the first time I saw him, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. And then within three weeks, I remember pulling up to my best friend's house and I said, D, I think I'm in love with someone and I'm married. I'm not in love with my husband. And she said, I know, Veronica. (laughs) And I'm like, because I mean, I have been kind of telling my sister and my best friend, but she, you know, she was like, oh, I know you. I know you're in love. I, I know you are. I can see it all over your face. Yeah. So I don't think it was hard for my husband to know either. I think everybody knew. What did you learn from that about yourself where you kind of have these moments now where you check in and you're like, okay, like, I know how I'm feeling in this relationship. And therefore, I know that I can control whether it happens or it doesn't happen again. Like, what things did you learn about yourself? I think for me, I learned that I had to have a little more compassion with people going through some things. You know, it went from me having all of these feelings about what had happened to me to then me turning into the exact same thing that I was mad at. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it was kind of like this refreshing moment a little bit. And then I also learned that marriage is not something that I feel like I should be trapped in. And I know I felt that way. You know, otherwise I wouldn't have been in the place that I was. And I felt like, just because I was married, I couldn't get out of this situation. Like this was where I was and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to turn. I was like, the walls were caving in. Mm -hmm. And once I realized that that's not how a relationship has to feel, marriage doesn't have to feel like that. You know, it actually opened my eyes and it's given me like a little bit of peace too, because I know that even though like my first marriage didn't work out and that relationship didn't work out and that didn't work out or whatever, I still have a future. Mm-hmm. And it can be whatever I want. Yes. And that's what's yeah. amazing. Isn't that like the best? It's so amazing. Yes. It's exciting. I think when I realized that I wasn't supposed to feel that way, like at all ever in life, like whether I was married or unmarried, but like that feeling of being trapped, that was when that was when I kind of realized that my own mind needed to be opened to what options there were. And how to derive my only my own healthy course of actions. And so like, I remember the moment I checked out of my marriage, my first marriage. And I remember it clearly because I sat back and I said, well, I guess this is my life for the end of all time. And I just started to just daydream Um, and not pay attention to what was going on or even relish in the anger that I had in that moment um, that I had checked out. And so it's interesting because it was then that I disassociated. It's then when all of a sudden you're like, okay, I exist inside of this marriage, but what's happening? And I just start to remove myself. 
I think that a lot of scenarios like this, right? A lot of people like us, we have common threads. And we don't talk about the common threads often because we want to protect the people who built those common threads into us. And I don't have to tear somebody else down. What? That's a good one. Yeah, you, that, that's totally spot on. We don't want to tear. I don't want to tear anyone down. These. And I don't have to tear no. anyone down to build myself up. And it's like people will often be like, oh, you never really talk about your first marriage. And I'm like, do I have to? I don't. I can talk about infidelity without talking about my first marriage. I can talk about myself entirely. And people will shame me because they think that I am so self-absorbed. And I'm like, you don't get it. You still don't get it. Like I have to keep me at the focus in order for me to make good decisions. Exactly. And that's number one. And if you're not thinking that way, I mean, whenever I wasn't thinking that way, my things were spiraling. (laughs) Yeah. So, you you know, and I take care of myself. Yes. I actually care about my wants and needs now. And I care about even small, like it's coming down to all the way the small things, like things I'm eating. I'm like, I'm caring about what I'm eating now. And like, I never cared about things like that. So yeah, that's just, I don't know. It's just a good thing for me. Mm-hmm. How do you think you have changed as a person since engaging in infidelity? Well, this might get me a little hate, but I think I have been a better person since then, I think, actually. How so? Um, you know, I feel like I have a little more compassion for people. Yeah. These days. It's all different people. You know, I always had compassion, but I didn't have compassion for everybody. You know, yeah. I wasn't I always used to say, like, I'm trying to be like Jesus, but I'm not Jesus. Like I always used to say that because I knew I had flaws. And I knew that like there were people I judged heavily. There were people yeah. I looked at, you know, like I was putting my nose up at. And now I'm like, just, I feel like way more down to earth um, when it comes to things, which is where I want to be. I don't want to be like that. You know, I don't want to walk around in my life like that. I would rather have compassion. Yeah. Um, It makes me happier too. Yeah, me too. I think uh, after the affair, I had willingly uh, disembarked my high horse, like, quite quickly fell off of it. Actually, I didn't disembark. I just fell right off of it. And I actually reached out to the person I had the most resentment inside of myself for. Right. And I was like, hey, I know you've always wanted a relationship with me. And I've always thought you were the scum of the earth. Turns out I am too. So why don't we get together? (laughs) Yeah. And I started to really understand that resentment and that anger. And then it just brought me to a realization that like everyone is human. Everyone is just doing the best they can. And I don't have to engage with them to see their journey through, you know? And that's really important too to remember, I think. You know, if you don't, if you are thinking in a different like headspace, if you aren't thinking in that way, which I was for a really long time, you know, like I was like, I have to be with this person forever. Like, this is who I die with. Yes. <laughs> yes. And like all of the, so when the realization comes that that's not actually true, um, if you have your whole basis in your life that that person is your life and this is your life and this is what it's going to be, and then you have to move on in your life without that person, that can be like really heavy. I I think that it is 
equivalent to grieving a version of yourself. Yes. If you are the other woman in your relationship and you love this podcast, you would love the other women community. The other women community is a membership program designed to help other women just like you reclaim their relationship with themselves and heal from their affair. We provide a safe and supportive environment for you to open up and talk about your experiences. We give you the tools and resources you need to grow into an authentic, empowered individual. If you're ready to take the next step in your healing journey, head on over to theotherwomanandthewife.com backslash community to learn more about the membership and all it has to offer. Yes. Right? It's not just losing that person. It's actually losing the person you were when you were with that person. Yeah. And that's really hard and heavy because then all of a sudden, like, I had a lot of traditional things that I was tied to when Stan and I first got together. Um, and as our relationship has progressed, right, I've really had to put some of that shit down and be like, is this important to me? Or is this something that I was told that needs to be important to me? And that like was such a freeing experience because then it was like, oh, well, I really actually don't have to fuss over Easter baskets if I don't want to. And I'm definitely not going to make it my husband's job either because that just creates misery in my marriage. Exactly. And what a like what a peaceful place to be at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, it and sounds, enjoyable. Yeah. And it sounds so minor. But like when you start implementing that throughout your whole life, it's mm-hmm. really not minor. It sounds it sounds like the Easter baskets aren't really that big of a deal. But in my mind, for many years, I was like, how are we going to teach the kids? How are we going to, you know, how are they going to have happy memories? And then once I realized that, like, my happiest memories when I was a kid was me playing with my siblings, you know, I was like, okay, I want to foster that. I want to foster that experience, not the fucking Easter baskets. I want to foster connection and healthy resolution and all of that within my kids. And it became a way more enjoyable, albeit not always successful experience. Well, and that's where I'm at right now. You know, like since getting a divorce, like I am the mother that I always knew that I was. And I I don't think I was a bad mother before at all, but I was like stressed to the max all the time. I mean, I was like, I was so stressed out. I wasn't happy in any way. I mean, I was just like, go, go, go. And now I have the same amount of work. I have the same, everything is the same. I mean, I have the same amount of kids, (laughs) but I, but now I parent differently. Like I'm so much more go with the flow. I'm like, I'm yelling at my kids less. I'm yelling at my kids less. Like, you know, I'm literally almost never yelling at them actually. And I'm like, just in this like peaceful mode and which is the mother I wanted to be. Um, And I always knew I could be her, you know? And so that's also amazing to be able to like parent the way that I can now parent. Yeah, I don't have to duplicate anything. I can lead my own choices and Mm -hmm. I can do what is in both of our best interests. I think often mothers will be like, oh, I I can't divorce because then my child's going to be in a broken home. And it's like, actually, if you were to prioritize your own health and happiness, your children would be better off for it. And that's the thing. Once you open your eyes to that, you realize like, you don't have to be married to be a good parent. Yeah. You really so like, true. you actually really don't have to be married to be a good parent. You can be an awesome parent and not be married. 
Mm-hmm. You can be an awesome parent, get divorced and get remarried. Like you can, you know, can do all of this. Um, but when you, you, you fix your happiness, you fix yourself, you go within yourself, your kids don't have to do it for you and they shouldn't have to. So, um, and that's like my goal in life is they're not responsible for my happiness. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, I am responsible for my happiness. So I need to get myself right. And then they can worry about themselves and their mm-hmm. own happiness and their own life and going through their journey. Correct. So that's where I'm at. We are aligned, girl. We are aligned. We are in different states, but we are together. I love it. I got my, I got my coffee right here. Go ahead. Drink your coffee, man. That looks like a TikTok coffee. Mm-hmm. My sister made it for me. She's wonderful. Your sister actually sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Did she know about the affair? Yes, she did. Good. She did. She such a good sister, right? Such was it helpful sister. to have somebody to talk to when you were going through it? Yes, actually it was. Um, she's always been there for me, actually, my whole life. Um, so I, you know, there's sometimes those people where you know that like, listen, I have to call this person and be like, listen, there's a dead body in my trunk. <laughs> this is yes. her. Like, this was my, this is my sister. So I knew that even if she was a little disappointed or whatever, she would never put that on me and she would never make me feel like a certain way. Um, so mm-hmm. I, you know, told her basically right away. I mean, very quickly. She knew obviously yeah. for my husband. Um, yeah. And she was just there for me all the way. And she still is. So I'm lucky to have her. That's good. Yeah. You are lucky to have her. Yeah. I know a lot of people who go through infidelity and they legit have no one. And almost like their family members turn against them, which then leads them to a place of understanding why people actually love them, which is really hard, I think, for a people pleaser to it's it's sobering, right? It's like, uh, this person loved me because I was this way. But now that they know the truth of how I feel and what I think um, and what I do, they don't love me anymore. And it's yeah. just like everyone's working. I think that everyone is working to the best of their ability with what they have. Oh, yeah. But that doesn't like mean but it doesn't hurt. That person is any less. Yeah. Oh, it definitely hurts. It, it definitely hurts big hurts. time. Yeah. I had that in my yeah. family, you know, so I was I was happy to be able to lean on her because a lot of people, I'm sure you know, they are, they are not happy when they hear that news. Um, Whether you tell them or someone else that like, they're not happy about that. Which is like, why are you, why, this is what I don't understand. If it is not your relationship and it's mine. Yes. Why? Do you care? Exactly. Like, I, when I think about the girlfriends of mine that I ended up parting with after the affair, I'm like, we can no longer connect because my marriage ended, which didn't include you. My marriage did not include you. You were not one of the people responsible for my marriage. And yet it ended. And now you no longer want to be associated with me as an individual. What does that say? Like, that you're more interested in the longevity of a marriage that wasn't working for somebody who was inside of it. I actually made a TikTok the one day and it said like, oh, you don't want to be friends with me now that I'm not the Tahoe driving, you know, suburban perfect wife. Yeah. Um, you know, now you don't want to be friends with me. Okay. Um, so were we friends? Right. The question, because none of that was like who I was. I mean, I am who I am. Right. 
So that was all just thing like little things in my life that really don't mean much. Which is such a revelation, though. But it's a revelation that you actually are alone in this world. And being alone in this world is an okay thing to be. Mm -hmm. How's dating going? So dating is very, um, it's very crazy out here. Um, (laughs) Tell me about it. This is wild. Yeah, the things I've seen lately, I am telling you. Um, there should be a show for just like girls that are dating, like, like single moms that are dating and like what it's like out here, because you have to be so careful, first of all. And it's hard being a single mom and dating. Um, you know, it's, you got to book the sitter and always the one your kids are at their dad's or, you know, you have to do all these things just to go on one stinking date. Yep. So, um, at this point I kind of like wait and I see. If the person's super worth it, I test it out for a couple of weeks, talk to them. And, you know, then I'm I'm going from there. But we'll see what happens. I like that you wait, that you wait to see if the person is worth it. It's like an investment. Oh, yeah. Like sometimes like this is so bad. Sometimes I'll cancel because I'm like, I want to see like how they react to this because I'm going to probably have to cancel it. a lot. I really have because of my kids. Like I have the four kids. Almost oh, all I the love time. it. And so, and I told one of my guy friends, how does this person deal with disappointment? I want to see, I want to see how this person deals when I am a disappointment to them. I think it's fucking genius. Yes. Yes. And it's like, it's, it sounds kind of bad, but like, it's, it doesn't, it is what it is. You know, I'm, I'm out here and I'm doing something. I'm on a mission right now. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not here to waste time. So I'm like, listen, I'll see how you act. We'll go from there. That's genius. I think it is a very clever, it's a very clever way to see what their intentions are. Um, and it's revealing, right? Because if they're like, oh, well, why couldn't you just, or if they're, if they aim to be helpful, I think that's telling. If Mm -hmm. they aim to be a contrarian, I think that's telling. Mm -hmm. And then like, Oh man, that's so smart. It's so smart. If I ever end up on the dating market, I'll be employing that strategy. Like a, one guy actually, he went berserk. And actually, I really didn't cancel like just to, just to do it. I really actually had to. And he, this is when this all started, when I started implementing this because of his reaction. He was like totally like out of left field. I mean, sent me like paragraphs, like something was crazy wrong, calling me names, all of these things. And he was totally normal. For like two Already? weeks. Already? You weren't him. even married to him? He was calling you names? I was, I know. That's what I said. So Bold. I said, um, yeah, so I said, okay, um, little, little sir, I will see you around. No, thank you, man. Um, and that's when I started doing that. And once in a while, I'll do that and see what they do. I think it's awesome because it also shows that you can discern when to walk away. Like, mm-hmm. I think many people, many women in that circumstance would say, oh, well, I mean, he's disappointed. He has a right to be angry. And it's like, the fuck? He no, because the way have I have a right yeah. to call me names. Well, and the know? way I look at it now in life is it's going to sound weird. But if I wouldn't really be doing that to somebody, if they canceled on me, I would never be acting that way on um, not saying I'm always right, but I just think that maybe if I'm not doing that right now, I just don't want to be surrounded by that. I would never, totally. you know, act that way. And I don't even know you, man. Yeah, I'm definitely so, yeah. the person who is the doormat. I'll let you walk all over me. So yeah. 
if that's my default setting, I'm going to be working harder to uh, reinforce some boundaries. Oh, yeah, you have to. And that's and that's another thing, you know, reinforcing boundaries and then sticking to that. The like. I don't know how proud I've become of myself for like sticking to my boundaries and just saying like, nope, that's not for me. Nope, that's not for me. Yeah, it's really empowering and cool because it's like I know, like I said, I've never been able to choose. So it's like now I'm like, (laughs) okay, I can choose. Yeah, the power of choice. Like we actually don't realize it until I think we're in adulthood, especially if we grew up in a fashion where choice wasn't something that we were taught to employ. It was do this, do that instead of, well, what do you want to choose? And it's like all of a sudden you get into the adult world and you're overwhelmed with autonomy and choice and agency. And you're just like, oh. Well, shit, here we go. It's all my fault. (laughs) Yeah. What do you think about talking to children about infidelity? How can we talk to children about infidelity in a way that makes sense for them? I think it's important. Um, I've had this had I've had to have this conversation with my kids. Um, you know, there was something I had to tell them, you know, that that listen, we're not gonna live together anymore and there's gonna be two homes and well, why is this happening? Um, and I've had to explain to them that sometimes people love each other in a different way and they just don't love each other the same as they did before. It's just different now. It's not less. Mm-hmm. It's not more. It's just different because that's how, mm-hmm. that's how I think it is. I mean, I don't know about yeah. you, but that's how I think it is. I think if we put this, this thing on kids that, you know, these people have to be in this exact situation. We all have to live in the exact same house and do the exact same thing as everyone else. And it's the way we've been doing it for this many years, yeah. forever, or you're, you have a broken home. I don't believe that that's how we should portray this. I think it's really actually damaging. Um, Agreed. Say Agreed. The, I don't know if belief. you saw my rant, but... It's so funny because yeah. I say it all the time. I say it all the time. You know, it's really damaging. Stop telling the kids their homes are broken. It's so fucked up. It's so fucked up. Like, why are we doing that? I think we do it because the kid, I think that everyone is kind of like born into this world. They look around and they think, oh, this is why I have this like void inside of me because my home wasn't a certain way. And they go to like fulfill that void in really destructive ways. And instead, it's like, okay, I want to be able to teach my kids. Like, we, I get into this argument a lot with my kids. And they'll be like, why did she get a Band-Aid? That's not fair. I want a Band-Aid. And I have been, like, really firm on telling my kids, like, fair is having your needs met. Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have a bed to sleep in at night? Is your belly full? Okay, then we're good. Yeah. Like, We don't need to have the same thing as everybody else for things to be considered fair. And the world is unfair in many, many ways. And it's just like, I hate, I hate when people told me that my home was broken when I was a kid. I was like, thanks. Well, and like, I always, I always heard that too. And like, you know, I really believed it. And I think my parents also believed it, which was also like Mm -hmm. hard. You know, my father was like, totally like my mother should have, you know, your mother should have never left. And. Then my mom felt guilt for not leaving or for leaving. So it was like, you know, they kind of instilled that also like, oh, it's a broken home. So like you really do, you look for something to fill the void so you're not broken. And so you can fit in like everyone else and have the perfect little family and everything will be fine. And it's like, that's not how it's going to work. 
<laughs> not going to work that way. It's not. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like you can go backwards. It's not like you can be like, oh, okay, like let's hop in the time machine and let's have the parents get it right. Like, yeah, that's no, no there's no option like, for that. Totally. Oh, I had asked your opinion about kids and sleepovers. Yes. Yeah. So my, I think that a lot of women struggle with the decision to give their children an experience that they had and also protect their child given the knowledge that they have now. How do you weigh your decision-making process when you do that? Because for me, that's what the sleepover is about. How do I give my child the experience that will be a good memory for them to have? And how do I also protect them? How do you do it? Yeah. So for me, that's actually a huge struggle. So being, you know, a, a survivor of sexual abuse as a child, and then, you know, you grow up and you become a mom or a parent, um, you're always second guessing your choices. Am I doing this out of um, fear from my experiences? Or am I doing this out of what I know, what I've learned that other people may not know? Or am I doing this out of um, safety? So there's like three different sectors there. And I struggle with this often because, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say a helicopter mom. I'm very go with the flow. But when it comes to people caring for my children, I'm very careful. Um, and so, yeah, I've struggled with that often. And the way that I've kind of been able to like decipher that with my children and with myself is I basically tell my children, you know, with age comes responsibility. So, you know, at 16 years old, you will be old enough to go and get a permit and drive a car. At Mm -hmm. 17, you can get your license, things like this. You know, at your age right now, I just don't think that you have, you know, enough skills to be able to have this sleepover yet. Or whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you're dealing with as a parent. Um, you know, I can let you go to your friend's house and I'm going to pick you up, though, before bedtime. And then mm-hmm. I can drop you back off for breakfast in the morning. Something like that. And that's what makes you comfortable as a parent. And that's what makes you comfortable. Um, yeah. But that's how I explain it with my kids. And it's been easier for them. So they have like a goal in mind. They know when they get a little older, they have a little more responsibility. Ooh, and then a little I more like responsibility. Because kids, they want to get older anyways, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're always like, I can't wait to get be big until, the, you know, then we get big. And then we're like, no. But they always want to get older. So it kind of gives them like this little, well, when you grow up, you get to do this at this age. You get to do this at this age or at this time or whatever. Um, and oh, it, that's, my, oh, my. yeah, it works for my kids. And I don't know if it'll work for anyone else's, but it works for my girls. As long as it works for you. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. I would like to tell you, thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. I know that this is like a great risk, especially considering all the hometown heroes talking about you, but way to go taking up space in their mind. Thank you. You know, like hopefully they'll redirect it to themselves. I really appreciate it. And I love you. I really do. Yeah, we need to keep in contact. You're so sweet. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast episode. We appreciate your support and would love to hear your thoughts on it. If you've made it this far, you're likely someone who is invested in the journey of being the other woman. We understand that this can be a difficult and complex experience, which is why we offer guided coaching to help you heal and move forward. 
We encourage you to explore the links in the episode description or visit theotherwomaninthewife.com slash coaching to learn more about our exclusive coaching program and apply today. Thank you again for your support and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode.